0: It's Michael Braithwaite here from Blue Door, your host of the On The Way Home podcast, brought to you by the good folks at Blue Door, as well as our partners at the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness. I thought I'd uh, use that term, housers. I've heard that dropped recently, uh, used for people who are very interested in housing, our most vulnerable. And that definitely is a lot of our listeners that listen to this podcast. Every week we have this podcast to create that awareness and education around what is happening in the world of homelessness, housing, uh, health, accessibility, a meaningful employment. And we talked to amazing individuals who are rising to the challenge, uh, being innovative, thinking differently, and uh, pushing forward as we look to put an end to this housing crisis we find ourselves in. And lots happening right now uh, in the world around housing. Um, right now, the Canadian Alliance and homelessness, as they do, they put on just incredible campaigns and right now they have a campaign for homelessness and housing prevention benefit. Um, if you go to their website at caeh.ca, check it out. There's lots of info on the benefit and then they make it really easy. If you want to get involved and sign your name to it, first of all, you, you kind of sign up and then they'll send an email on your behalf to your local, uh, MP. Uh, in your area, using your postal code as well to your local uh, newspapers as well. They, they, it's, it's all done for you and it's brilliant, uh, the way it's done, uh, well-written, all you have to do is kind of enter your info. I've done that and it's been amazing that I take their info. I put it on social media, they, they create a great groundswell. And, um, you know, we are of course trying to build as much affordable housing, uh, as we can through different methods. One of those methods we're going to talk about today with our, our amazing guest, uh, but income supports really that that income support level to lift people and prevent people from experiencing poverty lift them out of it um so important and we need to attack that on the federal level kind of like we've done with healthcare, where they've reached agreements with provinces around the the fed federal government uh given an influx of cash to address uh how sorry, health issues as well with childcare across Canada. We need to do something similar. And This housing benefit is uh, really, really cool and really well thought out. Yes, it will cost, but there's also cost savings on the back end um, that it brings along with it. And of course, saving millions of lives as well. So check that out at cah.ca In York Region, where I'm from right now, um, it was really great. Uh, York Region Council, uh, approved their budget and added uh, $13 million from a reserve they had uh, through the pandemic to housing and homelessness and community initiatives, which is so cool and so needed. Uh, we, we got some momentum during the pandemic uh, with dollars that came in from the federal and provincial government. We want to continue on with that. The need has never been higher. Uh, and that passed uh, with a unanimous vote at uh, York Region Council, so very, very cool we're working on, we've got a small house called Kevin's Place, and it's been awesome for uh, young men experiencing homelessness. It's a small house on a big piece of land, but really it's kind of almost, uh, uh, for for us to be um, champions of affordable housing and not do more with that piece of land, it's almost irresponsible, right? So we are, uh, we're working with Habitat for Humanity as our GTA, as our builder, uh, Ellis Don, Community Builders, who uh, sponsor this podcast, and do a lot of great work in creating affordable housing to get this done, to really put up 14 stack townhomes in its place to continue to do that work, but also add nine additional units of affordable housing, rent geared to income affordable housing, so deeply affordable, I should say, uh, in the spot. We were lucky to get a ministerial zoning order, MZO in Ontario that helps uh, jump the process ahead and not go through a rigorous zoning process and saves uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars for Blue Door. Now we're working on raising the funds, about 8.1 million to do this. We are confident we're going to get this built uh, and then, uh, you know, and showcase it as a property uh, that could do so much uh, as we look to make a dent in our affordable housing crisis. So lot's happening in York Region, Blue Door, nationally with CAEH. But let's get to today's guest. We talked about the housing crunch, the housing crisis we are in. We need solutions of all different types, big and small. I'll put quotes around small or say tiny because we're going to talk about those tiny solutions today. Today, I want to welcome our guest, uh, Andrew Miller from Nine Mile North, Tiny Homes and Domes. And We're going to hear more about the domes part. I've heard about tiny homes, not so much about domes. My colleague, Emmy Kelly, met him Uh, a few weeks back and said you got to talk to this guy really innovative doing some cool stuff she saw some of his work Uh, so eager to talk with Andrew who is uh, fast becoming part of the solution in affordable housing Andrew welcome to the show
1: thank you Michael
0: thanks for having me thanks for joining us Uh, Andrew we ask uh, all our guests uh, the same question to begin with when you think of home what does home mean to you
1: ah home yes well I've we moved a lot growing up so home is with family and uh and the the building changed often so I'm uh, and then I for a few years I was out in the mountains living out of a tent more than in, in my uh, apartment so I'm uh, home means different things to me but family definitely
0: yeah, that's, that's great, great answer. There's no wrong answers, of course, because it's really personal to you. But quite often, we don't hear people talk about the bricks and mortar. They do talk about family, security, safety, that kind of a thing too. No matter what you surround yourself with, whether it be a tent or uh, uh, you know bricks and mortar building, um, family is important. Andrew, can you talk to us a little bit about for those who might not know your journey into the work that you're doing now? You talked about moving around a bit. Uh, how did you land with um, nine uh, nine mile north and, and start into this work? If you can walk us along, that'd be great.
1: Sure, yeah, it's a it's a wild uh, path I've I was on. So starting with adventure tourism and moving west to become a mountain guide and training, um, you know, heli ski guiding, mountaineering, rock climbing, that sort of thing, and then um, whitewater rafting in the summer and uh, kayaking. So then my, um, when I had kids, we moved back to Ontario and set up shop here. And, uh, so then I had this interesting crisis of shifting gears and changing my whole, there's not, not much adventure tourism around Barrie, Ontario, Canada. So I, I did start some businesses. I did start a, a tour, a tourism business and got into farming by way of, you know, vegetable farming, learning how to grow food with greenhouses and uh it evolved into the building and as my kids were getting older i have three daughters they so i found farming was a pretty hard life i did that for four years professionally uh market gardening selling at farmers markets and then got the building and the carpentry skills ended up i was able to make a little bit more every year and skill up get more tools so but we're all working my way up there for 15 years, um, up to building, you know, massive cottages and homes in Muskoka with the, you know, all the best materials and the, but, but it was in, in, within me, um, was affordable housing, uh, the goals of, you know, learning the skills on these high-end projects, but my passion was affordable housing, housing folks. So, Even 10 years ago, I built a shipping container home and then started dabbling in uh, geodesic dome uh, greenhouses and then turning some into cabins and um, the off-grid living on the farm, that sort of thing. And it evolved into tiny homes um, and getting, building, uh, my wife and I remortgaged our house to build the the first tiny home of our own uh, that was, with the, with the goal of uh, selling it eventually. So we built the shell of it and then I ended up selling it, getting a customer to, and then we finished it. So I was able to quit my, uh, I was subcontracting all over Muskoka, quit there. And uh, now we're building tiny homes full time. And it's, uh, so it's been a few years and uh, lots of great learning, uh, mainly off grid, tiny homes, solar and wind powered batteries. Um, and uh then we've we teamed up with community builders here. Uh, met Brandon. We were going to hire. who started looking to hire them to to work on some of our projects. They they um, train uh, adults with uh, employment barriers and how to get into the trades. So we after meeting with Brandon and the team and Barry, um, Brandon ended up offering Kate and I jobs with community builders. So we sort of merged the tiny home business with community builders working, they were doing, you know, second suites and, um, and, uh, building lots of great affordable housing, renovating, um, homes. And then Brandon brought us on with our tiny home experience. So we've, we're expanding into this great new realm of, um, well, scaling up in the way of how many projects we can take on. Cause there's a beautiful big team at community builders. We're, um, plugging right in and, uh, then it's, it's um, so I guess that that's a wild journey to get to this point, but we're geared up. We have this beautiful, um, large shop where we can even work on 10 homes at once. Uh, another partner is called Northern Shield Development Corporation. They do uh, specifically tiny home builds. And now we're all kind of three businesses merging together to take on, even we've got Homes for Heroes project coming up, take uh, 20 units of affordable housing for homeless veterans getting set up in, um, in Kingston. And uh, those are going to be like tiny homes, but without the wheels. And we're just finishing another tiny home with wheels in um, the community builder shop here, just in Barry. And, uh, and now we've got three new dome customers coming on board for, which is what I'm really most passionate about. Cause as um, we're shifting gears into this, I, what I believe is the most truly affordable potential and uh, these geodesic dome, you know, inspired by Buckminster Fuller. And so we're, our goal is a $30,000 force insulated four season. Technically it's like a yurt or a dome where it's technically like a tent, but it's insulated with three inches of foam. You could heat it with a wood stove or an electric heater. If it's, if you have power there, uh, it could be great for an emergency shelter, but for thirty thousand dollars, we finally have financing that almost pre-qualifies almost anyone, and we feel like um, this could be. You know, some some folks are even using these domes in their backyard as a uh, Airbnb rentals, like short-term stays or for um, you know another extra bedroom. Uh, And we've got really neat ways to um, work within the square footage of allow uh, allowance that up to 160 square feet, which is now the size of your shed you're allowed without a building permit. So we're kind of working in these beautiful little creative ways to um, to create more insulated heated space.
0: Amazing! Thanks so much for sharing that. I mean, you were you're literally living the life that most people would would love to do of adventure. It's funny we, we lose a lot of Ontarians to uh, the West Coast. Most of them don't come back. We're glad you did uh, and, and switched up. And it's funny how much uh, that could probably transfer over into you know the creativity and imagination into what you're doing now. Now we hear a lot about tiny homes. Often when I'm out in the community and and, and we're saying we need to. Uh, prevented and homelessness. People like, what about tiny homes? What about tiny homes? Uh, for someone who might not understand exactly what a tiny home is, can you just kind of give us some some brief strokes on that?
1: Sure. Well, and I know a lot of people that want to get away from the word "tiny home" and because it, it's a home, home. It's everything, yeah. a, an entire home in just a smaller package. So it's a uh, the the branding is pretty. Uh, <laughs> pretty set in place there with the tiny home. Everyone knows what that is. And of course, folks generally love the idea of a tiny home on wheels where you can take it anywhere. And there is a certain neat freedom to that. And the customer we're working with now, they're going to go to the Yukon. So they they're, they're, they want to be off grid. They want to um, be able to generate power off the sun, the wind, and you can even Um, your vehicle can be even a backup generator to charge your batteries. So you don't have to listen to that engine all night and it's neat systems that are, but which is really tricky, putting all the systems of a home in a smaller space, but up to, you know, 400 square feet uh, is, is reasonable on wheels. And we're working on a new uh, project of, of a smaller home without wheels that will be about 500 square feet off grid. And, um, that one will sit on a more of a traditional foundation or uh, a helical pile, screw pile foundation, or it can sit on concrete blocks. Uh, It's a, uh, the, the, this is the challenge. And this is why it's, it's it takes a lot of skill to fit all these systems in and finish it to make it look beautiful. So it's, we're, we're finding a lot of the higher end, tiny homes, they're still not that affordable to most people, you know, in the hundred to $200,000 range, uh, depending on the size and the finishes and on grid or off grid. So when, when the interest rates started jumping up, we lost three or four customers, uh, because they couldn't sell their homes all of a sudden. And they, uh, to the, the way the financing on these tiny homes on wheels uh, is working right now, it's all secondary lenders. Not everyone can qualify for it. So it's still a bit out of reach for everyone. So we're, we're trying, we're always striving and designing and, you know, coming up with better ways to simplify or um, and in some cases, losing the trailer is a big savings you're the some of these trailers you're twenty or twenty five thousand dollars before you even start building the walls and um so you're now with this um geodesic dome home idea where um well which we have built some prototypes for and um my actually my cabin that's at the family farm is a 20 foot geodesic dome with a wood stove insulated
0: or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit ConstructGTA.ca. Um, Sorry, let's talk more about, so just, where does this, because so, everyone's heard of tiny homes, or most people have. Mm-hmm. And thank you for that description. You're right. And Some of them look, I mean, just gorgeous. They're, you're right. Like, If we talk about, we don't want to build a tiny home for the sake of building a home. It's the idea that it can be truly affordable for someone, like you said, and, and and it gets tricky. And I love what you're saying about that's the challenge. Get everything in, make it uh, you know a nice living space and keep the affordability down. Because if I hear you correctly, because it's fairly new and different, it's not the traditional kind of mortgage or lending. So you have to qualify, which is a challenge as well. And hopefully that will change over time. But let's talk more about these domes. Where the heck did that come? You know, you were doing them for kind of a greenhouse idea for, for uh,
1: farming and you thought, what the heck why can't we use this for for everyday living that's it that's and that's what i did with my cabin is um it was a a friend of mine who was uh one of the carpenters i apprenticed with byron cooper he figured it out there was these complex miter cuts and it's really beautiful how it all the hubs fit together when you do it out of wood um some people are familiar with steel domes which is with bolts and um So we, we experimented with these uh, wooden domes. This was, you know, 10 years ago and um, they were easier to cover as a greenhouse with that, that sort of plastic uh, tarp. And then we were figuring out how to be able to move them. We had them, we were moving them around, setting them up at different trade shows and farmers markets and that. And so it's evolved into a new uh, dust 2.0 design, which is easier to cover and uh, insulate and to get your r values up and fit more insulation in there and it's much easier to waterproof and um so the greenhouse 20 foot greenhouse that i started i covered it with plywood and all it's all triangles it's all triangles basically geometric shapes it's the peak is a pentagon basically that you you sheet all of the triangles and then i did a uh shingle roof um you know, traditional shingle roof on it, but, uh, you almost have to roof it twice, huge amounts of labor, really tricky, you know, um, cut lots of cutting to get all the, the, the shingles cut and everything. And, um, it's permanent. Like it's, a uh, it's, it's on there for, you know, as long as the shingles last, uh, 30 years, hopefully. But so we've getting into the second, this, uh, new design, a fellow from the UK dot. He he came up with this new new way of doing it that it's it's easier for um, for, easier to waterproof, easier to cover and uh, no, and all the hubs fit beautifully together. So it's led to and I've uh, from using other flat roof systems of a roof membrane which is this, uh, it's called TPO from Firestone. Um, fire, the tire company makes this root flat roof for an industrial commercial roof. And it actually heat welds together. So now each triangle is one shingle. We've simplified uh, and it's good for 30 years. Much uh, l- big labor savings. And uh, you, we can actually even make the dome movable as like as a tent. So you can take the whole top off, fold it up, Uh, We can even do skylights that are made out of vinyl that well heat weld together with uh, the TPO. And so your tent cover is um, like a yurt would be, you know, some of those yurts have a skylight at the peak and we can also do skylights on the triangles at the peak. And, um, but the nice thing is we can insulate four or five times greater than a a traditional yurt, Mongolian yurt. They're known as their, uh, and, uh, the structure itself of the dome is much stronger. Buckminster Fuller figured this out. And you know, if you look at the Ontario place dome, that's a big steel ball. The structure actually gets stronger, the larger it gets. It's a wild, uh, interesting uh, bit of math. He saw figured out and others have been um, standing on the shoulders of giants and refining that idea. So the, the reality is per square foot, it's the least amount of material needed And so you save a lot per square foot um, which of course is is the the challenge right now for affordable housing. And then you, of course you run into some other challenges of making your living space circular. So, but we've got this neat flow floor plan of it. You basically, you can have two doors, one in front and one in the back. You can even attach a second dome to the dome. There's a vestibule that connects the two. Um, you can have a greenhouse dome attached to your living space and you can, when the sun's shining, you can heat your whole home and have all that beautiful vegetable air coming in. Uh, so we're, but the, the basic room, the flow of the room is you come into the kitchen, you can have a a bedroom door and the back is the bedroom and you keep walking in a circle, you've got your bathroom. And so you have a little partition, uh, in the 22 feet, it's really, there's plenty of space, even for you know, a queen size bed in the bedroom. And um, it's possible to have lofts up above. You can raise the dome. So you have a stem wall, vertical wall, and you can have traditional windows in the, the vertical wall section. Because when you get into the triangle windows, they're pretty custom, pretty expensive, but they uh, we've we've managed to fix um, panels of uh, polycarbonate or a glass that are, um, it's, it's way more cost effective if they're fixed. And so we're just solving lots of these challenges with it. And uh, we're really ramping up with community builders, especially it's a, it's a pro- we've got um, these new customers that are really believing in this and part of um, it's an ev- evolution of an innovative way of building. And they're believing in the concept and putting their money where their mouth is. And now we're in the, in the cycle with all of our building projects. So we can, it's, it's a show and prove type of a thing, but the, from running the numbers and the estimations and the uh, financing, it looks like th- for $30,000, we can have a four season insulated for third uh, waterproof for 30 years cover and um, you know, wood floor. And for, and of course there's all endless customizations when you get into cabinets and what bathrooms and tile and all this, but, uh, I think we've got, definitely we have an amazing emergency shelter and an add a room. We're, um, w- with one of our partners, elephant thoughts, we're talking about in Northern communities, first nations communities as, um, you know, where there's housing crisis is everywhere, of course. So a, a quick, uh, solution to, um, to adding space and, but also, we're really big in passing it on. It's really quite a straightforward process for building these things. So we wanna empower more people to learn how to build these and carry it forward. So it's, there's no patents, there's no, it's open source. We just, this is, this could be a solution for, that could um, run away with itself. And when you have more people building more domes and we, we, can, we can tackle this housing crisis pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, very cool, very innovative. One of the questions I get asked about uh, quite often, Andrew, is just around the bylaws, what's allowed, what, because sometimes, I mean, you know, if you're in a suburb of Barrie and you just knock down your house and put up six tomes, uh, the city might have a problem with that. What what are the regulations and rules? And I'm pretty sure it it would vary from
1: uh, town to city. Um, What what have you run into? Sure. Well, we've, we are able to get, specifically the domes we can also get those engineered stamped and approved and building permits if need be and then the one one neat um what some customers are doing at the 15 diameter 15 foot diameter dome that's just under the 160 square foot allowance for um for a shed a building on your property with no building permit and so at that it's plenty of room. That's if picture, a, an eight foot by 20 foot, uh, shipping container, it's that's that same square footage. So, but in the dome, it's really airy. It's much taller. It's, um, the sense of space is really beautiful. The airflow is wonderful and that can be with exterior doors, secure, lockable. Um, so there are as, as with the tiny homes, the tiny homes have, have evolved, in the gray zone. So we're, it's, it's a lot of our customers are, they're putting them on family land, um, friends land, they're on wheels. So there's this other little gray zone component that now the townships are catching up. And um, as, as of right now, most properties in Ontario are allowed three tiny homes. They're changing the setbacks. So they're um, and we've, we're working with, a few other great uh, activists in the tiny home community that are helping change the language in the official planning bylaws and all this—that's a whole world that I've just—I I just have avoided. Which and I leave it for the experts. I'm—I'm I'm big on just building housing. I think we're at this stage; the crisis is severe enough. Let's just house people, and uh, we're going to. There's there's nimbyism everywhere. The the solution is simple. The costs are low. This could be a—it's um, an emergency, uh, as where we are currently. So, this this could be a project that even you know um, community groups, church groups could rally t- towards. That's the, the churches are another neat solution. Institutional land—they've changed the uh, zoning around um, some of this temporary housing. Uh, there's there's more room for for um, leniency and in, in church properties and school properties. So I think we're at this point when there's, there's a lot of activists that are just wanting to house people <laughs> and we're going to figure this out. This gray zone right now is in the 160 square foot with as long as there's no plumbing. And so there's, but there are other great um, composting, toilet options, incinerator, toilet options, or I, I envision if the, if the crisis is this bad, families can families can um, share their bathroom, share their kitchen with folks <laughs> have a, you know, if we can, if we can, instead of having the visibly um, homeless, all in these tent cities and, and um, just to, you know, it, I think we can just, we can really, if the community can engulf the, the, the folks most in need, we can help spread out and and um, give the supports needed, and not feel like it's just this isolated, intense, condensed problem in these uh, in these areas. So, the solutions are right there. I think we just house people.
0: I love it, and I love this. And I, I was looking at uh, some of these domes. Some of, I mean, some of them are qu- for quite simple. You're saying, hey, for seven thousand dollars, kind of. Put up this dome structure and wrap it. And give you a door, and then there's others like the wood inside. It's just gorgeous, right? Like the, I mean, again, like any, you could really customize it. But you know, part of the solution to um, more housing are um, people adding secondary suites. This is a great secondary suite option. Putting mm-hmm. in your yard. I mean, I looked inside. You know how you, you talked about uh, it's for for a person or a couple if they were going to spend. You know, that's where they're going to live. And and you put that in your backyard. I mean, there's so much potential to this. So, so let's let's leap forward 10 years. What does this look like? What would your hopes and dreams be?
1: Oh, sure. Well, I think we could easily build a million homes in 10 years if we if we put all of our efforts to that. I think we could solve that problem. And there's a lot of technical solutions, and um, even with the tiny homes in the traditional sort of rectangular shape. Uh, SIPs, they're called structural insulated panels. This is a solution for f- the framing of the home just in uh, 50% faster. And, you know, these are all things we're looking at for scaling up and putting a big dent in, in, in this crisis. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, we're on this, we're feeling this wave and, you know, the, the main, the right now, the challenge is the banks and the municipal governments. <laughs> so we need to, there, there are some changes happening and but there's uh, it seems like there are these monopolies set up that are traditional, uh, you know, wanting to go in the traditional subdivision way they're happening. It's happening all around Barry and they're so far, all the eggs are in that basket, but, we've got, there's all there's, I, I've got five farmers looking who would love to have 10 tiny homes each. And uh, they, you know, they're working at jumping through the hoops, getting the permits to try to do it. They're looking it's basically, you know, kind of new modern tiny home villages that are similar to um, the new age trailer park, you know? So it, it, this is a, an amazing um, solution and it can be done fully off grid if there's, if there's no services, It can be, um, we have all the technical solutions here. It's just really the frustration is when I got into building affordable housing 10 years ago, really, we're dealing with the exact same problems as then. And this is why we're in a crisis. So we need to do some radical change and take some significantly different steps in order to solve this crisis, because the same factors are holding it back as I always have. Right on. If you do what you did, you get what
0: you got. Keep doing the same stuff, you're going to get the same results, right? And you're saying these are not ordinary times, so ordinary solutions uh, need not apply. This is pretty cool. And I think part of the tiny homes piece too is when you're saying like if someone was to put up a group of these on a bigger piece of land is you're actually creating communities, right? So mm-hmm. in a tiny home, you're not going to be spending, working for, spending your whole time in there because it's quite a small space. But if there's a bunch around, you create this community of others that maybe forces you out to interact with others. There might be a communal space. I think that's what they've done with the tiny homes project for veterans in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's, there's lots of variations to this. And I think, again, uh, this is not the only solution, but it definitely is a good one and it's an affordable one. And I love what you're saying about, it was like shipping container homes for a while. People were saying, this is the way to go. But then we realized it's not really, you're not really saving dollars. It's not necessarily cheaper. You're saving materials environmentally or, you know, there's a ton of these containers around, but the end of the day, if you're looking at affordable, that may not be the way to go, right? Mm-hmm. But this is, and it sounds like it is. We just need to cut some, some push through some red tape and change some minds and get people on board. Listen, I, I think you're going to find it easier and easier. I was at, uh just before this podcast, I was at a luncheon for the, uh, the chair of the region of York, and he was talking about housing was their number one, affordable housing, housing was what are their number one priorities for the region? They're starting to see it um, in a very, what is known as a very wealthy community, but of 1.1 million, they're seeing that uh, the amount of affordable housing and the amount of people that experience homelessness is growing. Um, and so they're seeing that as a challenge, they're investing in that and they're they're opening up their minds to new solutions, as many are across Canada. It really does take the courage of one community to say, hey, we're going to be the first. Let's change it up and show people and demonstrate it can be done. And it also takes pioneers and leaders like yourself. So thank you, Andrew, for pushing this forward, for being creative, for always thinking of, okay, what can we do to make this not only sustainable, but sp- like, you know, at the same time, keeping it affordable. So cool. Uh, I can't wait to watch how far this goes and, and I can't wait to work with you as well. Cause we've got a lot of affordable housing needs, uh, in my area. And, uh, we have a program similar to community builders. We work with, uh, Brandon and the team called construct and I can see them getting behind this as well.
1: Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've, I love your program as well. And yeah, we're, we're, um, we're all working together at this. We're just, we're, and, and I think there's, some of these projects are going to cross over We're we are exploring uh, sort of second suites and um, garden suites uh, that is, and we're ready for more customers where we've got the team, we've got the consultants doing all the permitting. And if you want to need to move forward that way, and then we've got the farmers and uh, working in and uh, we're hitting it from all angles. Like we're going to figure this out and <laughs> we're trying it always. And, we're ready to go. And we've, the, the team is wonderful uh, with community builders. We're ready to take on more projects. We'd always welcome new customers and uh, to look into this a little bit deeper.
0: Now, well, listen, you know, I, you have a pretty solid beard. I fancy myself having a pretty solid beard, but when it comes to the beard game, Brandon from community builders, oh, yeah. he, is a, he is the leader for sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> listen, if people want to find out more about what you're doing if they wanna purchase one, if they wanna make an inquiry, uh, if they wanna learn more about community builders, where do they go?
1: Yes, uh, communitybuilders.co and we're um, just going through merging the 9milenorth.com website to, uh, with the community builders. And so it's sort of like, these are these neat funnels that like we've been ha- coming from the tiny home world and uh, Brandon and community builders team with the uh, second suites world. And, but, uh, the, the team at community builders is wonderful when it comes to, you know, the whole permitting process and the, um, the, the pricing and the estimating, and it's, it's really, uh, it's a real, really well run organization. So we're happy to be a part (laughs) of it. And we've got endless other consultants that are doing site visits. So when you need your site work done and your site plan for all the permits, Um, We we have some from working looking into in downtown Toronto in backyards for potentially craning over a tiny home into the into the backyard and then all the way up towards Tobermory off grid um, out in the woods. So it's everything in between. We've got solutions galore and uh, we'd we'd, uh, love to uh, love to hear from you and to get learn about some more projects.
0: Well, I think you absolutely will. And I think it's brilliant you coming together with Community Builders. You've got a crew with experience that could build more and more of these, who's innovative with multiple wins, putting people to work in the trades uh, like Brandon and his team are doing. So congratulations on that. That makes my uh, soul really happy. Thank you so much for your time today, for your passion and for what you're doing. Uh, It's an honor to have you on the
1: show. Thank you, Michael. And when when two beards meet, I, I need to yield to the larger beard. As I do to Brandon. Thanks so much, man.
0: Thank you. Have a great day. Wow. Hey, we often talk about being solution focused on this podcast. And I love Andrew's passion and enthusiasm. Someone who's never lost sight of the goal. Let's keep these affordable. As I said, you hear about uh, for the longest time people were talking about container homes and then tiny homes as whispered, but that affordability can never be lost, and you want a sustainable, livable, uh, um, livable space, right? Um, where, where people can live uh, in, a, in a beautiful little home and uh, have all the amenities that they deserve, right? And he's doing exactly that. Community Builders, a group in Barry, Uh, they're a Construction social enterprise, so Brandon and his team there, um, so when Blue Door started, we were, of course, a charity that said, hey, let's get into the construction end of things, launching people into training and doing this construction company, Uh, and we had to bring people with construction expertise on board. Brandon and his team started as, you know, they could build houses. They were a construction uh, company that then said, we want to have social purpose, and it's done great things uh, in the Simcoe area. Uh, doing that and that is uh in uh, northern kind of northwestern uh ontario so great things happening so check out uh community builders uh communitybuilders.ca uh and you can look at nine mile nine mile homes.ca soon to be part of the community uh builders group uh if you're interested in in that area i think they can work all over ontario beyond um A great guest doing spectacular things to tackle this housing crisis. Every week, we'll have different people talking about the solutions, the challenges they face. But until then, we'll see you next time on the way home.